Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Nobody's here to watch, but everyone at home has their hearts in their throats. On 0-2 to right field. Adam Engel is there! A no-hitter! The 19th in White Sox history! Ah, so good to hear that. Inside the clubhouse on 670 to score. He is Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel. And Bruce, that was my highlight of the 2020 baseball season in Chicago. For some reason, everything just kind of hit me that night. We almost didn't have a season at all. Thankfully, we had some baseball, as weird as it was, and that was a fabulous, fabulous night, as finished off with that catch by our next guest, who joins us on the Al Pomonte Nissan hotline. Al Pomonte Nissan is in Melrose Park, and you can find them online at apnissan.com. Adam Engel, nice enough to join us on a cold, wintry morning on Inside the Clubhouse. Adam, thanks for uh, picking up the phone today, and... uh, Will you ever in your entire career get tired of hearing that Jason Benetti call on uh, NBC Sports Chicago? Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. And um, no, I'll never get tired of that. That was one of the one of the coolest moments of my career. One of the best parts about playing, you know, a sport like baseball is uh, you get to you know accomplish some really cool things, especially. Uh, with a teammate like Lucas Giolito, man, that was just an incredible moment, something I'll never forget, that's for sure. You know, uh, Adam, all season long we talked about no fans in the stands and how the energy level uh, had to really be watched as far as, uh, you know, getting momentum going. But in that game, you know, sit, sitting there and watching uh, Giolito and uh, the sweat pouring down the last inning and uh, just the intensity – it seemed like it transcended all of that stuff. Did, did you ever feel during the season, and in particular that game, where there was a lack of energy because of the fact that the, uh, the fans were not around? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, to, to try and replace energy that fans are giving us as players is, is next to impossible. So um, the way I describe it to, to most people is like um, – as players, we were able to, you know, get used to kind of the new normal. Um, but just because we got used to it doesn't mean it was the same, if that makes sense. So there's a lot of energy that we had to bring as a team, um, you know, a lot more kind of banter in the dugout and, um, 
you know, just kind of getting on each other, not, not getting on each other, but, but like being with each other, you know, like cheering for each other and just stuff like that, um, that you might not need normally throughout the season because the, the crowd's so into it and bringing so much in, in that regard that, um, you know, you don't need it as much. Whereas last year it felt like, you know, we had to really, really be conscious of, of you know, when a, a good play happened that, you know, we brought a lot of positive energy and if, if things seemed to be, you know, going against us, that we, we stayed positive and um, we didn't let the, the momentum swings, you know, hurt us too much. It was a really, really enjoyable year for uh, for baseball fans uh, in Chicago to watch you guys play like that. Um, Adam Engel, you have said that uh, losing to the Oakland A's hurt a lot, felt like losing a good friend, you told Daryl Van Scowen in the Sun-Times. But then at some point, it has to shift. The morning has to shift into motivation for the future. So if one is the pain of, of losing the Oakland series and 10 is full-on motivation and ready for the season, where are you on that scale? Where are you from 1 to 10 on that, that shift that uh, you yourself say you got to make? Oh, man, I, I say a 9 because just bringing it up right then and there, it still hurt a little bit. Sorry, my bad. You know? No, 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 but um, but for sure, it's it's turned into motivation, and um, I'm actually out in Arizona right now, and there's there's a handful of guys already out here, um, just getting ready for the year. So um, there's already a buzz, there's already you know a lot of uh, fun, positive energy, um, you know, from a, a team standpoint. I think um, you know we're all really ready to go. We're all excited for this upcoming year. I think we we all know the expectations, and we're eager to to get things going. You know, they say that that you need playoff experience, and it'll help you be better the next time. Do you think there's anything specific that you've thought about that you guys might have learned, or you might have learned in a in a three game series like that that you can carry forward? Um, you know. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, like there's older guys. Like I remember having, um, you know, a conversation with um, Yasmani Grandal, and he was just talking about how intense every pitch is and like how over the course of the playoffs it just wears you down, like from a like an emotional standpoint. Um, And I mean, we played three games, you know, and it was exactly like that. It was like, man, every single pitch feels so important. And every single pitch is like you're living and dying almost with every single pitch. So it's, it is a lot, you know, and I could see where over the course of, you know, an an entire world series run where you're like, man, this is exhausting. You know, like you finish the game and you're just like, geez, that was everything I had from a focus standpoint, from, um, emotion. I think the emotional side of it is more, you know, is kind of where the heavy hitter comes. Um, and you just get done with the game. You're like, whew, you know, it feels like it took a lot out of you just from, from that regard. So I think, um, you know, looking forward to another playoff run, it's just something that, you know, I'm expecting now. And, and I don't know if you can really truly train and prepare and, and be ready for such a, um, an emotional roller coaster, but um, at least we know what to expect from that, you know, from that end. Mm-hmm. Adam Engel joining us on Inside the Clubhouse for just a few more minutes. He's Matt Spiegel. I'm Bruce Levine. We're here for you 52 weeks out of the year talking baseball 9 to 11 every Saturday morning. 
Adam, you've uh, you're out there in Arizona. You're getting to experience uh, Tony Larusa for the first time. What has that been all about? Uh, I'm hearing that uh, he feels like he's a kid in a candy store right now. Just tremendous energy and obviously the knowledge of uh, 33 years of being one of the top managers in, in big league history he brings to the White Sox. What have you seen so far? Um, so far, um, I've had a, a handful of conversations with him. Um, and, I mean, that's pretty what you just just described right there pretty much so hits, hits the nail on the head. He's been um, – you can tell he's got kind of a, you know, a little uh, – you know, bouncing his step right now as he's walking around. You can tell he's he's uh, got the same energy that the the team has. Um, I think he's really excited to get things going. Um, you know, talking a little bit of baseball with him. Not we haven't gotten it, into anything too deep, but you can tell he's extremely knowledgeable, extremely confident in his philosophy and, and what he wants to do as a as a manager. And, um, you know, I'm really really excited to to learn from him. I think. Um, you know, he's obviously a Hall of Famer for a reason. So, um, you know, I can't wait to, to just kind of be around him and and um, just soak in the knowledge that he's got. And, um, you know, his, his energy has been great and uh, conversations with him have been great. So um, he's definitely somebody that I, I can't wait to, to play for. Uh, baseball is a tough game. It's a cruel game. You lose a, a guy who was a mentor and a uh, – a leader in Ricky Renteria. Your your thoughts on uh, when Ricky left and uh, what impact he had on you? Man, yeah, that was that was really tough. Ricky's the only big league manager I've ever had, um, and you know, coming into spring, even this year, even though knowing that Tony's going to be great, um, it's different. You know what I mean? It's just a different kind of feel. Um, but Ricky's meant a lot to me. I've had a lot of. Um, really, really good conversations with Ricky. I feel like he's helped me uh, believe in myself um, and, you know, really helped shape me into a, to a player that um, I need to become if I wanted to, to be in the big leagues. And I've had a lot of really hard conversations, a lot of really honest conversations with Ricky. Um, and, you know, kind of there at the end of last year, I think, um, you know, I was able to talk to Ricky and he was, he, you know, he's been there for my entire big league career, so he's seen the changes that I've gone through and the changes I've made. And, um, you know, he just made comments all year last year, like, man, you're really doing a great job and keep it up. And just hearing that from your manager and, you know, it's one thing to hear that from somebody that, you know, you don't go to war with every day. And then it's another thing to, to hear something like that from a guy that you are going to war with every day and a guy that's extremely invested in you and extremely invested in your, in your career and, and in the team. And, um, you know, obviously he's a very uh, emotional leader and, um, you know, losing a guy like that is, is always hard. You know, I think Ricky's, um, he's awesome. And, uh, you know, I still have conversations with him here and there. Um, I got to talk to him a little bit, not too long ago. So, um, yeah, Ricky's, you know, definitely a special person, a special manager. Um, it, it hurts losing him, you know, but as a player, that's something that, you know, you experience throughout your career is, is change. And, you know, we got to, um, you know, just look forward. And, and um, you know, now we rally with uh, Tony. Adam Engel, the 19th round pick out of Louisville in 2013. I was thinking about you this morning, Adam. We've seen a lot of players 
in the situation you were in a few years ago in this town? Because we've watched rebuilds on both sides of town, and they need guys to play, and opportunities are there for guys like you to prove yourself. And often maybe the goal is to, you know, all right, we'll get somebody better eventually or that kind of thing. And we talk about it in dispassionate terms like that, you know. But it's rare that a player in the situation you were in gets to stay with the team as it transitions to the mode that the White Sox are in now. That's pretty cool. And I, I hope, hope that's gratifying for you. And I wondered if you were conscious of the situation in those terms at all as you've been playing out the last three, four years of your career. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think the the White Sox have have really, really been um, awesome for me. Like, I can't thank them enough for sticking with me throughout. You know, some of the down years I've had, especially my rookie year. You know, I, I they gave me an opportunity to play every day and get at bats, and um, gave me an opportunity that you know majority of clubs wouldn't give me. Um, so that's something that I'm extremely conscious of. And like you're saying, the fact that I'm still on this team, even after having, you know, a couple of years that, um, you know, most teams may have moved on by now. So I'm now I'm with the team and, and hopefully some of the, their best years of, you know, of baseball. And I'm really excited to, to return the favor. You know, I think that um, I'm coming into a point in my career where I'm really able to, to contribute to um, championship level baseball. And I'm excited to be doing that for the team that, you know, gave me a chance and, and believed in me early on in my career. And, you know, no matter where I play, um, I'm going to be trying to win a ring. And I couldn't be any more thrilled to be trying to bring a ring back to this organization and going out there and, and you know, winning as many games as possible for this organization. So it's, it's something that's really, really cool as a player. Um, I'm extremely fortunate, extremely thankful. Um, so now obviously I got just that much more motivation to try and go out there and, and, uh, you know, pay him back a little bit. Adam, you're not a good center fielder. You're an outstanding center fielder, but to watch Luis Robert, uh, come in and cover the entire field, you know, like he did last year. Um, that was pretty amazing for me to watch a guy that's, you know, pretty salty and been around for 40 years because, it's rare that you see anybody that has that kind of easy range uh, when you see, you know, the Willie Mays-esque ability to get to left center and right center. What is that like for you to watch, especially knowing that you're as good as any other center fielder in the game right now, but you get to see a guy as rangy and as with tremendous potential of Luis Robert? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's extremely exciting. I'm a guy that um, you know, I didn't start playing outfield until I was in college. So, um, I, I kind of got hit with a really, really fast learning curve. So, um, to me, helping other guys learn how to play outfield is like one of my favorite things to do because I had somebody do that to me when I was, you know, 18, 19 years old. So it wasn't that long ago. I was just learning how to play and, um, not that Luis needs that kind of, you know, um, help for sure. He's, he's, he's way ahead of um, where I was at probably at his age. But, um, you know, now that I've been in, in the league for a few years and I've had a chance to work with some other great outfielders um, and obviously our outfield coach, uh, Daryl is one of the best in the game. So just kind of learning from those guys and, and seeing a guy like Luis go out there and, 
Um, you know, his raw talent is like Hall of Fame level. You know, he's unbelievable. Um, I think there's still some areas that he can polish to, like, turn himself into the best in the game right now. Um, and that's what excites me the most as, as a teammate is, like, hey, man, you're you're right here and you're, you're definitely – I mean, he won a gold glove. So, um, you know, it's hard to argue that he's – not one of the best already, but I'm like, there's still a couple areas where I think that you could improve even more. And I'm, you know, we've already had some conversations and, and looked at some video for how he can get better in a couple areas. Not that he's bad in those areas, but yeah, what makes well, him so special is he is that good and he wants to get better. You know, he comes well, that, to me and says, what can I do to get better? You know, well, you can help him with the vertical leap because no one has a better one than you in the game of baseball. And, uh, the idea that, uh, you know, the warning track and the vertical leap was one of the things that he has to work on. I don't know if that it just comes natural, Adam, or you can actually work on that. No, it's something that you absolutely work on. There's, um, I've spent a decent amount of time on that throughout my career. And I think Luis is, um, the hardest part I think about Luis is he is so fast. And I, I would venture to say throughout his entire career, he's played so shallow that opportunities at the wall have been slim. So now that he's in the big leagues and the ball's a little bit better and the hitters are a little bit better, there's going to be more opportunities for him to make plays at the wall. And, you know, he only had a short season last year of it. So it's like he didn't have a, a ton of opportunities. So I think that's something that um, – he's going to want to work at and I'm absolutely there to help him. That's one of the things that we've kind of actually watched video on last year at times, just the technique of it. So he can kind of master the whole technique, but it's absolutely something you like he's, his vertical ability is, is probably better than mine. You know, if you look at his vertical jump, he's already taller and got longer arms. So, um, you know, he should be able to get to more balls than I can get to. And now for him, it's just a matter of timing and, and getting comfortable with it. Uh, what he needs to do with his eyes and things like that. So um, I would venture to say that Luis is going to be one of the best in the game at that within the next couple of years because he has that drive and obviously he has the ability. There's no question there. So, um, you know, that's one thing I'm excited for um, to get back into spring training with him. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll be working on that as an outfield unit, not just, you know, Luis, everybody's, you know, we're all working out there to get as, as good as we can be. So, um, I think our outfield unit is going to be really strong this year and, and for years to come. So that that makes all the sense in the world. He's so fast, so he's always played shallow, so he just hasn't had chances. I, I was in the stands with my wife and my son for one of your leaping catches when you had three in a week in 2018. It was against the Yankees. Dylan Covey was pitching. Um, I forget who hit it, but... Man, at three in a week, the, the opportunities, just the, the fact that you even got the opportunities. Have you had opportunities in the corners as much? They don't seem to come in the corners as much. Um, I don't think I've had as many in the corners. And um, for me, that's also something that I need to work on because I haven't, um, you know, had as much experience or had, had as many reps out there. You know, I, I definitely do it in BP and, and try my best in BP, but it is a little bit different. I feel like you almost get more opportunities for the ball, like the foul ball that's down the line. So not necessarily a, a leaping grab, but maybe a reaching grab, like over the, the sidewall. Mm -hmm. um, most, most of the time when guys pull home runs, it's way gone. And then 
the opposite field home run is just a little less common than, you know, to dead center. So um, there's definitely less opportunities because, you know, a guy pulls the ball in the air in the big leagues, it's normally, you know, a few rows deep. So there's just not as many opportunities for it. But um, obviously we're still going to work on it and, and the opportunity presents itself to bring back runs. Like that's, that's a huge momentum swing. So. Adam, we appreciate you joining us very much. Uh, hopefully, I can see you from a socially distanced area where it's acceptable to everybody. Uh, Miss that interaction from uh, March uh, 9th on from last year, and uh, hopefully you guys are going to have a great season. Thanks so much for joining Matt and I on Inside the Clubhouse, and uh, have a great year. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you guys so much for having me on, and looking forward to seeing you guys as well. Take care. Thanks, Take care. Adam. That's great stuff from Adam Engel. Really, really interesting stuff. Love the, love the outfield conversation, and just he's also a very thoughtful, thoughtful young man, huh, Bruce? Uh, aware of, yeah. of the good fortune. I love that thought. That now it's time. That's thought from him. It's time for him to reward the organization for having believed in him and given him all that time. That's pretty special stuff when you have that in your head. Yeah, we never even got around to talking about the improvement at bat and uh, just the, the ability to. Uh, lay the bat on the ball more often and uh, you know you talked your questions to him were really good about survival mode and being able to be there for the good times when it doesn't happen for a lot of uh, other players who go through a rebuild with a team but good stuff from Adam Eaton we're going to uh, Eaton Adam Engel we're going to uh, we're going <laughs> to segue all to year, man. I, all we year it's going to happen to us we, yeah. we will talk to our teammate David Haw from the morning show of Mully and Haw Uh, When we return, and we will take your calls at 312-644-6767. That also happens to be our text line. Get in, and we will share uh, your thoughts with us, and therefore the world, right here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. In terms of the DH, obviously there's some great DHs on the market. Uh, Nelson Cruz being the best one. He's got that one-year offer from the Twins, which they upgraded. They want to bring him back. But, um, you know, I, he's a great fit for the White Sox. And uh, to, to steal somebody from the Twins uh, would be huge because, to me, those are the two favorites in that division. And I think to everybody, I mean, they're both very good teams. Um, so I think that would be a big move for the White Sox. The White Sox have already done a lot. That is Radio.com Baseball Insider. John Heyman, earlier in the week, right here on 670 The Score, on the Mully and Haw Morning Show. That was earlier in the week, and then that conversation picked up some momentum, was carried forward, and uh, eventually had uh, some more commentary in the middle of the week when Bob Nightingale was on with Chuck Swirsky on Wednesday night here on The Score. And that's when Bob Nightingale used the phrase tapped out. But you, Bruce Levine, have been on top of the finances for this White Sox offseason. And um, it, what were your thoughts as that story went around and bounced around this week the way it did? Well, I mean, look, uh, our next guest will uh, be able to help us with that. He'll give us the lead in. I think our, our teammate will uh, help us fill in the blanks. All right, David Hall. Oh, sorry. Our next guest joins us right now on the Alpamani <laughs> Nissan hotline. Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Man, Avenue. you ruined the surprise. I did. I totally blew it. <laughs> APNissan.com is the website where you can go. David Hall, part of the great morning <laughs> show on The Score. You hear 5 to 9 every day, Monday through Friday. Molly and Hall uh, joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. And, uh, David, we'll, we'll get around to, uh, you know, talking a little bit uh, you know, about uh, Nelson Cruz and whether he fits with the Sox or not. I'd like to start you out with uh, your thoughts about the Arenado situation and uh, its impact on uh, Chicago Cub baseball and the the central division of the National League. Morning, guys. Good to be with you. Yeah, you know what, Bruce and, and Speaks, nice try, because I do think that in, in some ways you can look at the Cubs post-Arenado deal and, and why they are where they are, and, and also the White Sox situation with Nelson Cruz, and, and look at the, the finances and how they affect, affect both teams. And I understand where the White Sox are if they're saying, okay, we're done spending. I get it. I, would, I understand that, especially with Andrew Vaughn's presence. Whereas in the context of the Cubs conversation and in the, in the aftermath of the Nolan Arenado deal, going to the Cardinals to mm. give them a corner – uh, infield with Goldschmidt and Arenado, which is better than Rizzo and Bryant, I think that most people would agree at this point. That is that that's a gut punch, and that's difficult to accept for Cubs fans because not only because Arenado was you know rumored and we we flirted with the idea of him coming to the Cubs, 
you know, as recently as a year ago, but because of what that does to the Cardinals and because of what it reinforces about where the Cubs are in their spending, in their ambition, in their growth. And growth is a relative term because it's not growth. It's stagnation. It's regression. It's frustrating. And I think that is where we are with the Cubs because this offseason, to me, nothing against Jock Peterson, who could be a fine player and hit 30 home runs next year, maybe more. But I don't think that you wanted to be here or expected to be here in the winter of 2021 if you're a Cubs fan. Now, I, I, think, I think people expected to be here in the winter of 2022. And I wonder if people would have been okay with the idea of going for it super hard one more year and then just kind of falling off the table, which I think they decided as an organization not, not to do. You, you know? There's, yes. It, it's, you think people would have, been, would, would, have, would have rather had one more year of going for it in full and then might really suck for two or three? You think people would have rather, rather have had that? Well, I don't know that you want to ever have a plan where you're going to really suck. But I think yeah. that if you look at what you just described, Speaks, at least it's consistent. How long did we spend on this station, in this city, talking about the 2021 season? My goodness, we had so much conversation and hand-wringing yep. over Chris Bryant's control in the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. Well, now the 2021 season is irrelevant. The Cubs are treating it like it's just – you know, the, uh, they're, they're placeholders in the National League Central. They're not, while they're trying to thread the needle, the Cardinals are trying to build a winner. And that is a big difference, and that's not where you want to be. So I do believe that there would be an, more, uh, a higher acceptance level across Chicago uh, amongst Cubs fans. And I don't want to speak on behalf of all of them, certainly, but mm-hmm. I think they would understand more if you have a go-for-it mentality. Coming off a division title – rather than what's going on now where it feels like, no matter what Tom Ricketts wants to say publicly, this does feel and have the characteristics of a teardown. When David, when you talk about uh, the two teams, though, you're talking about uh, apples and oranges here because Matt and I talked a little earlier about how the Cardinals continue to uh, produce their own players over and over and over again. If there's been a failure in the Epstein-Hoyer era, it certainly has been the minor league system and the lack of development. That's how you find yourself in situations where you have to have a jumping off point to, um, to, to either um, compete or kind of pretend to compete for a year or so so that you can restock your farm system uh, via trades and development in your own system. Uh, where, where do you point the finger on that and how impossible do you think it is in the Cubs situation to really uh, compete for a title right now and build toward the future. Well, that's a smart distinction, Bruce. You're right. The Cubs aren't the Cardinals and Cardinals aren't the Cubs. And as you guys pointed out, the Cardinals have done such a great job of scouting, drafting, and developing. And so they're able to be in these situations where they can trade some of these prospects for proven all-stars and they can continue to sustain that success consistently. Okay, so you're not the Cardinals if you're the Cubs because you have had you know, some shortcomings when it comes to scouting, drafting, and developing, especially when it comes to your pitching staff and young, young arms. So what are, you, what are your strengths? Who are you as, an, as a franchise? You're the Cubs. You're in Chicago. Okay, you're not the Cardinals. You have built-in advantages from being a major market player. Now, with that comes responsibility, and I don't know that the Cubs are living up to that right now. That's what I mean is that when you, it is apples and oranges when you compare the Cubs and the Cardinals, except for the bottom line. And the Cubs – 
have all these renovations at Wrigley Field. They built up Ricketsville. They gave us the they gave everyone their own television network. And remember when the conversation was, well, just wait until they get this TV network. You're not going to boom, and you're going to love the revenue that produces because it's going back into the baseball team. Yeah. Well, it's it's easy to spend every, someone else's money, but that is the advantage that you have in Chicago that they don't have in St. Louis. So I wonder. You know, the Cubs no longer are using that to their advantage. Yeah, you know, this is, uh, I, I remember writing it when the Darvish trade went down, that this is when sports hurt because you develop this relationship and you invest these emotions and then a corporation makes a decision about what they're going to do. And in this situation, it's try to get ahead a year early of what is going to be very ugly and very painful. That, that's what they've done. And it's pandemic-induced. In- because they, as you said, they built up Ricketsville, and that means all the money that they expected to come from games and Ricketsville did not, ha- it did not happen, and it's probably not going to happen again this year. So they've made the corporate decision. Uh, they've made the decision at the corporate level to get a jump start a year ahead, and people know that. People smell that because they've seen other billionaires do this with other corporations. Right, David? Uh, uh- yeah, exactly, Matt. And, and look, there, there's a rational argument and explanation that can make people, you know, reasonable minds can look at this and people can disagree and, and understand, though, what's going on here. I just think that we're in the, we're in the midst of, of reaching that acceptance level. And I think it's difficult for a lot yes. of people to reach that. And, and, and no fan ever should be, you know, told how to feel about your team, understandably, you know, having an adjustment in the way that they spend money on and in their ambition and how they live it's like his family that that moves into this great neighborhood and has these great cars and has everything they put in a pool in the backyard and then the, the dad and mom have great jobs and they come home and they're living large and then all of a sudden they come home one winter and it's like the kids are like okay you can't buy that you can't have that and you can no longer can have nice things and that's the that's the mindset i think the plight of the cub fan right now is that they're realizing they can no longer have nice things and so it's going to have to you're going to have to succeed another way and that's awkward it's difficult it's clumsy and it's painful yeah and and as we think about it from the corporate perspective which is just such a fun way to enjoy sports it really is um yeah. no it's not <laughs> um the the willingness yeah, to good, the good will ha, the willingness <laughs> to spend david is a market inefficiency like taking on a big contract has such value that the return can be diminished. We saw it with Darvish and how that worked out. What the Rockies got for Arenado, and they threw in $50 million, is yeah, like a number five starter and then four prospects who are outside of the top ten of the Cardinals, and they're older. So it's not like they're lottery tickets, even like what the Cubs got for Darvish with the young guys. These are proven, some of them are proven non-prospects that they got. It, it is unbelievable what you can get away with if you're willing to spend some money in this offseason. And that's the other side of the coin, Matt. You're exactly right. So the, what Cub fan on one side says, okay, we're not the Cardinals, and that stinks because they're going to be really good this year, and look what they did. But at least we're not the Rockies. You know, At least we're oh. not a Rockies fan having to look at uh, paying money and giving up non-prospects to, to get rid of a superstar. Well, I mean, you can uh, you can argue the Darvish deal. Well, that one will be answered down the line yes. uh, as to whether that's worthwhile or not. Uh, David, uh, quickly hopping over to the White Sox. How do you express your feelings? Uh, yes, no, in between uh, that they will probably add a veteran uh, pitcher this week of uh, you know, marginal ability left uh, as compared to uh, a, a DH uh 
to add to that big mix of big hitters going forward. Well, I, I liked at the time the Nelson Cruz idea before it was shot down. I, I don't know um, if, if they talked to him or not, Bruce, but I think as we have discussed throughout the weeks that um, certainly you would weaken the Twins and, and strengthen your own lineup. But if that's not going to happen, I do have a lot of confidence in Andrew Vaughn uh, who, you know, that prospect list came out this week, and he was at the top of the White Sox list, and I would like to see what he has to offer, even though he hasn't, you know, succeeded at a, at a high level in, minor, in the minors. But I, I do have a lot of hope there. And that interview with Adam Engel I think was great, and it reinforced just how good the White Sox have in terms of outfield depth at the moment. As far as the starting pitcher at the back end of the rotation, you can always have that kind of insurance you, because it protects you against the having to, to rely on the potential of, of a Michael Kopech, for instance, a guy who's mm-hmm. been a mystery and has a lot of ability but has that not, not yet reached that level of potential that you expect or production. So I, I think the White Sox, anything that happens after this point, realistically, I guess fairly, is a luxury. I think they're positioned right now to be among the best teams in the American League and certainly the best team in their division. Bruce, I think you reported on this or, or hinted at it. Is a reunion between the White Sox and Carlos Rodon out of the question? Uh, not out of the question. Uh, I think there's uh, maybe more likelihood he'll end up with the Cubs. Uh, uh, they're watching him this week, as we reported. Samarja is somebody that they watched already. Mm-hmm. Arietta is somebody they watched already. Uh, Fultonavich is somebody they've watched already. Uh, we don't know about Archer, but I imagine he will be watched by the Cubs. So I, I would say those guys are closer to that. But again, the White Sox—they, uh, you know—they left the door open, David, with uh, Rodon. What are your thoughts about uh, Rodon turning to the, returning to the White Sox as that? Uh, uh, fifth starter and another left-handed uh, arm in the rotation. I'd have some reservations. I, I really would. I, I think that I like everything about Carlos Rodon's uh, competitiveness. I, I have been one of those guys that has learned the hard way about investing too much confidence or faith in his ability to produce consistently. The health thing has been a concern and gotten in the way, and I, and I just wonder if that's going to be inevitably part of his path moving forward. So I, I don't know if Rodon would fit the profile of the guy that I think the Sox could sign for insurance because you want dependability if you're signing insurance, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure that he offers that, whereas with the Cubs, they're in a position to take a bigger risk like that because of where they are. I just wonder, Bruce, let me ask you this. As the Cubs are aggressively scouting these workouts of guys in their past, when does John Lackey throw? <laughs> and don't put it by him uh, saying that he's going to return uh, David uh, we really appreciate your time today uh, thank you so much we'll be listening uh, all weekdays with you and Molly uh, 5 to 9 every day is must listen thanks again for joining us and inside the clubhouse have a great weekend great show guys thanks for having me on take care hey, D- David thanks so much David I- I've enjoyed all the guests that-, that Bruce has booked his relationships throughout the game Hell, Dusty Baker, Susan Waldman, but how he got you, David Haw from the the score. <laughs> this might be the most impressive uh, book uh, in a long time for Bruce Levine. It is me, Matt Spiegel, and him, Bruce Levine, on Inside the Clubhouse. We will come back and uh, talk a little bit more about some of these things that are uh, percolating and take your calls if you want at 312-644-6767 before Rosenblum and Grody at the top of the hour on the score. <laughs> We're, we're jamming. jamming. We're jamming here on Inside the Clubhouse. Feeling it. Feeling it on a Saturday morning. Uh, Bruce Levine. 
been a been a fun show. Um, lots of textures getting in with thoughts uh, wide ranging on the conversations. Some of the anger at the lack of spending. Some excitement for the teams on the field and some uh, just amazement at what the Colorado Rockies did in terms of how the relationship with Nolan Arenado has come to a close for them, seemingly. It's, uh, it, it's a real ugly end to, uh, to what had been a beautiful relationship for a long time and then started to be, started to be really awkward over the past couple years, right? It really has, and... Um... When you close up shop like they're doing in Colorado for the year, I don't know how you react as a baseball fan. I know we're getting weird reactions from uh, Cub fans not understanding, you know, the avenue that they the Cubs are taking toward uh, being a really good team again. But, you know, the Cubs are coming off of winning a division. So it's not like uh, they've been in the tank. Uh, they have tried hard and they've done well over the last uh, five years. Uh, six years now to keep a team over 500 and in the playoffs five of the six with Colorado uh, the last two have been miserable and you've you've insulted one of the top players in the game (laughs) and brought brought your fan base down by uh, telling him yeah we signed you to a 260 million dollar deal but we don't want you any longer and that's been the message over the last year to Nolan uh, Arenado so it's a very very tough thing for a city and a fan base to deal with. Uh, their GM did something I, I've never heard of. Like w- these player opt-outs that they have in contracts, like Arenado had after 2021, um, the GM is the one who brought it up and pushed it on him. Did you know that? I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't I know, know that. that. No. I, I just learned that during the course of, uh, of these trade conversations, that apparently it came out after 2019. The GM pushed for it. And so they gave it to him and then they didn't spend and they got him angry because they weren't trying to win. And he said so. And then they and now I guess they're going to need they're going to use some of this room to sign Trevor Story and serve their overall financial needs. But just what a what an ugly end and what a terrific player now headed to St. Louis. It's interesting when you give a guy a quarter of a billion dollars. Okay, think about it from that perspective. You're you're basically saying uh, uh Hello, partner. You know, uh, all our decisions are made, but you are certainly a part of that decision process because you can't give a quarter of a billion dollars and tell people that this is the best player in the game and that he is Colorado Rocky baseball without giving away that part of it. And, and when, when you back away from it, it's just a, it's, it's a type of ugliness that I don't know how you recover from as a franchise other than building the, the next wave in two or three years from now being a better ball club. Yeah, uh, I, I, abs- absolutely, absolutely true. 312-644-6767. Uh, texters saying, it's not that we don't understand what the Cubs are doing. It's that they shouldn't get a pass for dumping salary and going on the tre- cheap because they've drafted poorly. So, you know, uh, there, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of anger out there. There's a lot of anger out there. Um, it's not a pass. It's a glitch. You know, it's a major glitch between, you know, sustaining great playing and uh, presenting great players and trying to win every year and uh, the ability to do it. You cannot continue to go out to the free agent market and spend 210, 220, 230 million dollars every year without some sustainability 
uh, from younger players coming up and uh, taking a, a bit of relief away from the spending and, and being able to, uh, you know, uh, build from your organization. You have to, there's only a couple ways to do it. One is mm-hmm. through your farm system, or as the Cubs did it in the original part of this rebuild initially back in 2012, trade for other people's young people and develop them. Yeah. Uh, that, that's how they got good. It's, it's not like uh, uh, Jason McLeod did a horrible job. They developed uh, players. They, they scouted players. They signed very good players. They traded all-stars all like uh, Jimenez and Torres to keep the momentum going. The, the failure was that they stopped developing players. They stopped, they stopped signing good enough players mm-hmm. to come through the system and be a part of what it should be now, a younger Cub organization with players coming up from the farm system. Yeah, and, and, and as we've talked about, they, they waited so long um, to – to, to deal from their, their offensive core and figure out who was going to stay, who was going to go, that, that then the leverage went away and the trade value went away and they waited a little too long to, um, to, to revamp the scouting and developing, which they have done with the new directors of hitting and pitching and Craig Breslow and, and everything that these guys have done. And, and, and Theo himself would admit, I think, that they waited just a little bit too long. It's interesting. I, I think we hit on a, a key thing in our conversation with David Haw there, because I've always thought about it in this way. If they had gone full bore for one more year and then maybe fallen off the table a little bit and not been super competitive for a couple years as they restocked. Would fans have liked that better? If it was said pretty clearly in that way as well, the, 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 the transparency that people had grown to love, if it was said in that way, as opposed to what's happening now, which is you know a, an attempt to extend it and be decent um, and, and stay relevant as they also try to reload on the fly. I, I wonder which one would have been perceived better and received I don't better. know, be, be, because uh, the Giant fan and fans and the Philly fans, uh, two organizations that were uh, tremendously successful for six, seven years at a, at a clip, uh, World Championship one and, and th- three, three times for the Giants, once for the Phillies, Phillies at the World Series twice. Yeah. Um, they they all talk about that we held on to the the premise of competing that one more year for too long, way too long. Yes. And therefore, they've suffered ever since as far as being competitive franchises. The Cubs stepped away a year earlier. And as you point out, um, it remains to be seen if that's going to be a benefit to the re- rebuild, even though you're irritating the fans who have become importantly spoiled over these past six years where the team is good, expected to be good, and wins divisions and goes to the World Series. I mean, Mm. the sustainability of that is a difficult process for every sports team, let alone uh, just baseball clubs like the Cubs. Hey, hey Bruce, this week fed into a little bit of a uh, probably naive dream that I have that, that one day the commissioner's office can be more about... Uh, what truly is good for the game from the player's perspective, from the owner's perspective, and from the fan's perspective, too. Theo Epstein gets hired in there, and you dream of him moving closer. Ken Griffey hired by the commissioner yesterday to help grow the game on a youthful level. Um, and I, I, I dream of, uh, of, of a Bart Giamatti-style commissioner. Probably never again, though, right? I don't never is a long time, but uh, th- <laughs> these are steps in the right direction. 
Matt, we have people to thank, including our guest today, Jerry Harrison Jr., the Dodger pre and post game. Our friend Adam Engel of the Chicago White Sox. We thank Bob Bechtel and the Sox for getting him that for us. Also, our teammate David Haw. People can follow me on Twitter at 670thescore.com and follow my writing for the White Sox and Cubs on, uh, on 670thescore.com. The other was Twitter, of course. Thank you so much uh, to Adam Stadzinski for doing a great job producing. Steve Rosenblum and Mark Grody are next. I'll be in all week with Danny Parkins. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Thanks, Bruce. Talk to you. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.